The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that, he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It always helps to have a little context for the gospel, especially, because we only get a little snapshot here. There's only a few verses that we read here today from Matthew's gospel. But right off the bat, Matthew, our evangelist here, the gospel writer, says the Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. And these Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, the Jewish religious leaders. And they often got under Jesus' skin. If there was any group of people that upset Jesus, it was these Pharisees, and then you had the scribes. Because, as he calls them here, they were hypocrites. Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? That's what he said to them today. The word hypocrite comes from the Greek word, which means actor. So in English, we have this phrase that somebody is two-faced or people put on masks. They're fake. In short, you could say they're fake. And Jesus knew they were fake. He knew what they were up to. And he knew that it was no good. He knew the hardness of their hearts. He knew their lack of faith, unfortunately. And that's what grieved him. It's not that he hated them. He loved them. He came to save them. But he was so upset by their hardness of heart and their lack of faith that somebody like Jesus could actually be the Savior of the world. That somebody like Jesus could actually be the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Anointed One, better said, technically speaking, the Anointed One. And so for us today, we could ask the Lord to help us be true, not to be two-faced, to be simple, to be true to him, to be true to ourselves, to be honest, to be humble. And that's a gift, that's a grace that we all have to ask for in our own prayer with the Lord. It's sometimes really hard to be honest with yourself and to be honest with God, to be vulnerable with God, with other people that you trust. 
That's not an easy thing to do. That's why Jesus, over and over again, invites us to trust him. To trust him. And as I mentioned in the opening comments, today we remember, unfortunately, John Paul II's memorial gets trumped today by the Sunday liturgy and the Sunday readings. But nevertheless, we can think about him and and reflect for a moment on his life and example. And that can inspire us, especially on this World Mission Sunday. That's what the church celebrates today as well, World Mission Sunday. The fact that the church does go out to meet people where they're at, to bring good news. And not just a message, but our our second reading, at the end of today's second reading, Paul says to the Thessalonians, for our gospel, our good news that we preached, did not come to you in word alone, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with much conviction. Conviction not in themselves and their own greatness, but conviction in the Lord's power, in the Lord's mercy. And also conviction, you might say, in the fact that they were chosen, that God had chosen them. Not because they were better than anybody else, not because they deserved it, not because they earned it somehow, but rather it was a gift of God. It was God's doing. And in the first reading, that's also explained a little bit. It's highlighted for us. The fact that God would choose Cyrus, that's a whole other story, but he wasn't even a believer. That's what God is trying to show here in this first reading through Isaiah. Cyrus wasn't even a believer necessarily, but God was still choosing to work through him. So it was God's initiative. I like to say that in our relationship with God, God is always the protagonist. He's always the one who acts first, who takes the initiative, who invites us to follow him, to listen to him, to trust in him. That he literally wants to be your friend. God loves to be your friend. The fact that he became a man, that he became a baby, and as St. Paul would say elsewhere in his letter to the Philippians, he emptied himself, Jesus, the Son of God, he emptied himself of his divinity. Or you could say he stripped himself of his divinity. And he took the form of one of us. being in our likeness and image. And he served us. He said it in the gospel, I came not to be served, as a king might come to be served. I came to serve and to lay down my life, to ransom, to save the world. So Jesus comes to meet us where we're at. He comes to meet you where you're at. And he doesn't come to condemn you. He comes to save you. He comes to redeem you. He comes to show you God's good plans for your life. 
And getting back to John Paul II, he was so good at that. I first laid eyes on John Paul II in Denver, Colorado in 1993. There was a World Youth Day. So there were young Catholics there from all over the world, all shapes and sizes, all colors, there in Denver at this big Cherry Creek State Park. And John Paul II comes in on a helicopter. We had a Saturday night vigil. And then there was this big sleepover party. I think there were a couple of hundred thousand young people who spent the night out in the park. My sister and I froze because we didn't bring sleeping bags and it got really cold in the Rocky Mountains, uh, even in August. So my sister and I have a good story to tell about that. But when I woke up in the morning, and I, I confess I took a little nap once the sun came up, but when I awoke from my little nap there in the morning, there were people as far as the eye could see. There were almost a million people there, they say, for that Sunday Mass. So he was good at gathering young people together. So then he gathered them, and then he revealed to them through his kindness, through his words, his inspiration, he revealed to them the love of God. And I remember after his homily, I don't remember what he said during his homily, but after his homily, he asked for the microphone again. And he said, you know, I made a mistake. The Pope admitting that he made a mistake, you know, very endearing. He said, you know, I said that you shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. But he said, let me put a positive twist on that. You should be proud of the gospel. And of course, everybody cheered. And... So he always was trying to be positive and encouraging and affirming, especially of young people. But it was his way of saying, I think, especially to crowds like that, it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how early you became a Catholic or a Christian or how late you became one. It's never too late. It's never too early. Now is the time. It's always an appropriate time. Today is the day that the Lord has made. That's what we sing on Easter Sunday. Let us rejoice and be glad for this opportunity that we have today to encounter the Lord. And we have that opportunity every day. Maybe you don't get a chance to come to church every day and to celebrate Mass every day. But wherever you are, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We Christians have been anointed. We're little Christs, you might say. Because we've been anointed with the same anointing that Jesus received in his humanity. The Holy Spirit. We've all received the Holy Spirit which helps us to encounter God, to have an experience of God. That's a really important word. And so when I think back to Denver, which was 30 years ago this summer, 30 years ago this August, I can still remember the experience that I had because the Spirit was so powerful, was moving so powerfully with so many believers gathered together around the Pope. And I was already thinking about the priesthood. I felt like God had already been calling me to that. And it really confirmed it for me. I was convicted. 
That conviction grew in me. God is calling me to be a priest. I can't believe it, but it's true. Okay. So the next summer, I joined the seminary at 21 years old. I left college after my junior year, joined the seminary. I still have one year of college eligibility if I want to go back and play another year of college football. (laughs) I only played three years. That's not going to happen. So... The Holy Spirit allows us to have this personal encounter and experience of God's love, his friendship. And as I was praying myself this morning back home, I received a special grace where God just assured me that he loves to be my friend. And I I experienced that in my own heart, in my own prayer. And that just moved me to say, well, Jesus, I I love to be your friend too. I'm enjoying being your friend more and more. As I get to know you better, as you reveal your heart to me more and more, I enjoy more and more being your friend and your priest too. And so that's for all of us. We're all called to keep growing. Just because I'm a priest doesn't mean that I've arrived that I can stop growing in my relationship with the Lord. Why would I want to do that anyway? It's not about arriving to a certain point. It's about continuing to grow and allowing God, allowing the Holy Spirit to keep growing inside of you, that his gifts would be given in abundance more and more, and that your faith and hope and love would continue to mature, would continue to grow stronger and stronger. And I tell everyone, the last couple years, I've been involved in this encounter ministry school with Father Patrick. He was actually my instructor, your pastor. And I'm older than he is. I've been ordained a priest longer than he's been. But he inspired me. He was very inspiring and edifying and encouraging. And that's how God really wants all of us to be with one another. We all have different gifts and talents that God has given us. And when we put them to work, so to speak, for the good of the body, the church, we all benefit. We all benefit. And so let's pray that on this Mission Sunday, this World Mission Sunday, We can all be missionary, so to speak, in our prayer, but even in our community. You don't have to travel to some foreign country to be a missionary, although that's one of the things we're supporting today. I read a little fun fact in a letter that the archbishop sent to the priests that when the Catholic Church was getting started in the United States, you know, over 100 years ago, It received the equivalent of $250 million from other churches around the world, probably mainly from Europe at the time, to help establish the church in the United States and to support the missions to the United States. And now we, in turn, can help support other missionary churches around the world. But that's only a little part of it. Each and every day we can participate in the mission of the church through our own prayer and through our acts of charity, by allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. He 
He works in us and with us. We're transformed, we're healed, we're blessed, we're empowered, and then we go out to share that which we've received as a free gift. So we share it freely and lovingly. And I like to call that the dynamic, the dynamic of God's dynamic love. The dynamic of God's dynamic love. We get incorporated into that at baptism and we keep participating in it more and more as we grow, as we mature in our faith. We then gather people together to experience the love of God for themselves. So we thank God for gathering us together here today for the gift of faith. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come upon us more and more each and every day so that we can continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus, our friend and Savior and Lord, and become all that he and you and the Father created us to be. Amen.